Seinfeld, The Hamptons is over, but we are just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap. And now, here are the two guys who have not experienced any shrinkage with our excitement for talking about this one. I'm Rob Sister, and here's Akiva Winokur. I thought you were going to say, here are two guys no one's ever seen naked. <laughs> well, somebody has. I guess our doctors. <laughs> sure. Sure, yeah. You have a number of children, Akiva. Yeah, I guess. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Not not to brag. <laughs> <laughs> to brag. <laughs> and I would imagine that they were not conceived immediately after you came out of a pool. Uh, prob- probably not. <laughs> yeah. They don't look like me now that I think about it. But no, they weren't conceived out of a pool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm very excited to talk about The Hamptons. It's one of the most iconic Seinfeld episodes of all time. Uh, there are some high highs here. I think that maybe a little bit of wonkiness uh, with the final act of this that we'll talk about here today. But very excited to be talking about the Hamptons here with you during Festivus week, Akiva. Yeah, I think uh, yesterday was Festivus. Uh, people, Festivus, for whatever reason, has gotten almost bigger than the show. It's yeah. you know when it was on, it was like okay, this is like a funny bit. It wasn't even the main part of the episode, and now it's really like one of the show's legacies. It's interesting. Yeah, Festivus is getting more and more huge every single year. Uh, yeah, it is like people don't even watch the show. Just everyone's wishing each other uh, a happy Festivus. And there's all these feats of strength and grievances going on. It's it's something. Yeah, because the Internet needs something to talk about every day. So nobody had anything on December 23rd. Festivus called it and they just basically planted their flag in that. There's really nothing going on. They picked they picked the right day. I don't think they had the long game in mind when they were thinking about that. But there's really nothing going on. The Internet is dead. Like I. I like it. I was like refreshing, you know, articles today. I, there was there was nothing else to read. It was crazy. Well, we have gotten to the episode with Festivus by next Festivus. Uh, I was looking and uh, no, we're not going to get to it till about uh, a little later in the winter of uh, 2017. Hmm. Boy, that's too bad because I feel like once we have that, then every year we could just retweet out, hey, happy Festivus. Here's our podcast all about Festivus. Well, we can still do that. We're just not going to be able to do it till two, uh, you know, Christmases from now. <laughs> wow. All right. So way down the road for Christmas 2017, we'll have something to tweet about on December 23rd. But this show will be over by, by Christmas 2017. Well, then we have some evergreen content, don't we? Yeah, that's right. All right. So, Akiva, very excited to talk about the Hamptons uh, with you, of course, uh, an episode where everybody goes for a trip out east to uh, East Hampton, Long Island uh, for a day at or a weekend at a beach house. And, of course, uh, a lot of things unfold, including George wanting to get with his girlfriend, Jane, for the first time. And then the return of Jerry's girlfriend, Rachel, who he was forbidden to ever see again from the Schindler List saga, but she is back here today. She doesn't get along with George and uh, she sees him naked when she comes, when he's coming out of the pool. And again, uh, apparently Jane is uh, not having any of that. And we will talk about all that and much more on a breathtaking episode of the Seinfeld podcast. Yeah, no shrinkage. This will not be under an hour. (laughs) Probably not. Much to the chagrin of my wife, who would like me to come back downstairs at some point. But I need to talk about a episode of Seinfeld from May 12th, 1994 today. Uh, written by a friend of the podcast, Mel- Peter Melman and uh, Carol Leifer. Or Leifer. I don't know how she pronounces it. I think it's Leifer. I think most people pronounce it Leifer, though. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. That's the first, it's the first question. Well, we'll say, uh, Jerry, 
you know, when we when we talk to Jenny, like we know you dated Carol Leifer. Is it Leifer or yeah. Leifer? That'll be if we get five questions, that could be I don't yes. know if that counts as one or two, but that's what we'll ask him. And Jerry, were you the guy who took it out with Carol Leifer? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right. Akiva, before we talk about the Hamptons, any news this week besides Festivus? Yep, we have uh, some some big uh, news in Jerry's world. Oh. Uh, yeah, he um, his uh, the new season of his uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee is coming out. And he has one of the biggest guests you could probably get. Probably maybe the greatest comedian of our time. Uh, oh, wow. Larry the Cable Guy? Uh, even bigger than Larry the Cable Guy. Oh, wow. Carrot Top? Uh, probably not as successful as Carrot Top, but definitely, uh, you know, he's up there in, in the comedy world. You give up? Uh, I know who it is. So, Oh, you know uh, who it is? Oh, this guy, yes. this guy reads the, sp- you read the spoilers. For, uh, <laughs> he's in read cars the spoilers. Coffee. Yes, tell us, Akiva. It's, uh, it's the president of the United States of America, Barack Otis. Obama. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. Which, ironically... That's interesting. I don't know if you know this, but uh, he's not allowed to drive a car. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, the president is never allowed to drive. But Jerry's allowed to drive the president around? No, they're in the backseat. I see a picture right here. They're in the, sitting in the backseat talking. It's weird. I don't know. Why is Obama hanging out with Jerry? I mean, he's not trying to get reelected. He's not trying to sort of like get in with the young hip demo that watches comedians in cars getting coffee. So why is Obama doing this? I don't know. He's done a lot of little things like this. He did. He sat for a GQ piece with Bill Simmons. He um, he did Mark, Mark Maron's podcast. Right. So he, you know, he's doing the rounds. I don't know. Is it to build like his presidential library? Is it for his legacy? I'm not sure. Yes. One day we'll talk about the great legacy of Barack Obama and talk about, well, he passed uh, this uh, health care reform, uh, whether, you, whether you were in favor of it or not. And then uh, he also blah, 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 blah. Comedians in cars getting coffee with uh, Jerry Seinfeld. I don't literally mean like it's on his list. I just mean he's trying to like build up, uh, you know, have more people with a favorable sort of opinion towards him as he uh, exits the, the office next year. Okay, so I'm sure it will be interesting, and I am uh, going to be fascinated to watch how it goes. It just seems like a weird move. seems like uh, there's lots of other places that you would go before comedians in cars getting coffee. Sure, but I feel like Jerry is, Jerry's not going to exactly, you know, ask him some hard-hitting questions about, you know, about, like, policy or anything like that, so... Uh, you know, what's funny is one other thing Obama did, but it was a few years ago, was uh, the Between Two Ferns, the Galifianakis show. I don't know if yeah, you saw that. I did not. He was great on that show. He was really fantastic. But I didn't realize that he it was a script like they gave him lines. I thought he was improving, which really would would have been incredible. Like he had a line where uh, Galifianakis said, are you going to run for a third term? And Obama says, no, that would be like if you did a third hangover movie, <laughs> which is like a great, a great line if it's off the cuff. It's still funny if it's not, but, but, uh, it, it, you know, it, it ended up, you know, people took credit for that line. Like I know he did not come up with that line. So Obama had a teleprompter. <laughs> he had a teleprompter. Remember people used to like get on him like, uh, he has got a teleprompter. Yeah. He is, he is pretty funny. I he's, will, s- he's a good speaker, but he has a teleprompter. I will say he, he definitely has an underrated sense of humor. He is pretty funny, but, um, I, you know, yeah, but, uh, all right. So we're looking forward to that episode. That's the news for this week. 
Okay. I feel like most of these presidents, like when they are able to get them, like with when you give them material, they all like can deliver it pretty good. It's true. I think uh, people thought George W. Bush was funny. Yeah. Bill Clinton was funny. I don't think uh, Bush's dad anybody thought was funny. Right, right. That's, and that's nobody probably thinks the Jimmy one. Carter's funny. Right. Jimmy Carter is last on that. Yeah. Reagan, I'm sure, you know, he has. Uh, I was some... too young for Reagan, but I, I can't. I don't think he was funny. He but was an actor. Right. But, but he wasn't a comedic actor, was he? I'm sure he could deliver a line, and I think. Oh yeah, yeah. So he's he's got a couple of good zingers, Reagan. If you yeah. go, if you watch his highlights, and also an update. Uh, I I bragged uh, a few weeks ago that I'd never been blocked on Twitter. Yeah, and lo and behold, today I found out that someone I know has blocked me on Twitter. Oh, who's that? My 14 year old sister. <laughs> <laughs> Your sister has blocked you on Twitter. Uh, hold on, let me just go back to the presidential thing. And we've certainly ranked on this show, uh, courtesy of Chester, the handsomeness of all of the American presidents. Is it a prerequisite? Does a president have to be funny to be elected in our modern day society? Oh, I don't think there's. Is there a single funny person running this year on either side? Oh, but I think they have to be. I mean, Every one of these candidates is on with Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel. They're on with uh, Stephen Colbert. They're on Saturday Night Live. Like they're all going through the ringer of having to do comedy. Yeah, I think they just have to go. You know, the audiences are so fractured Mm -hmm. that I think they have to go where the viewers are. And even if those shows aren't getting, you know, eight million viewers anymore, it's still maybe, you know, the YouTube clip of it gets another couple million and, and sort of that's how they're getting their message out, I think. Yeah. I mean, not only do they have to be likable, but I mean, they're in all these like bits and stuff like that. Every president, every person that's going to run for office, I think from here on out now has to be they have to be able to uh, get a laugh on these shows or you're dead in the water. Yeah. I mean, there have been case. I, I, I'm not like a. There are a couple presidents who really sort of struggled during like a presidential candidates like back in the 1670s who like struggled during debates and didn't get elected. Uh, it is tough. Like, I, I don't I won't name names because then we'll get like too political. But if you watch the Republican uh, debates, there was like one guy who who like really folded when he had like an opportunity for a good line. I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy can't be president because, you know, he's he, you know, he, he he's not quick enough. Yeah. He couldn't respond to like an easy diss there. <laughs> yeah. You got to be able to, uh, you know, get a zinger in now uh, if you want to be president. All right. So let's get into talking about the Hamptons. Anything else? No, uh, but I have a, a late breaking update. Oh. So I mentioned my sister blocked me. So, you know, I did what, what I thought I'd do. I told my my parents. Yes. You reported her to the authorities. I reported her to Twitter to the Twitter authorities. I, I said, why did Kayla block me? And I just got a, a G chat now for my dad. She unblacked you and said he is a tattletale. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you have much younger siblings. You have to deal. They're like my nieces. You have to deal with stuff like this. Yeah. Do we have any word on why you were blocked? Yeah. What she like said something weird on Twitter. Oh, and or or no, like I was making fun. She is too because you're probably <laughs> a snitch and you are telling on uh, you know your parents like what she's talking about. Yeah, I I did snitch, and I shouldn't like she's my sister, but I'm like closer in age and everything to my parents, so I, I feel like I probably had their side when I should have had her side. I think she got mad because I said something about how weird like something she wrote was on Twitter to my dad, and she she um saw it because she was like on his laptop. Yeah, so she like literally saw what I wrote. But uh, so you know, I gotta I gotta be careful now. So she uh, is accusing me of being a tattletale. <laughs> I think. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but she also has over two thousand followers, oh. which is like uh, 
but you know what it is? She she really likes this. She really likes this one weird guy on YouTube. Yeah, I don't remember his name, but and so if you're a fan of that guy, like you follow all those people and they follow you. It's like it's like you know the Rob is a podcast world, but yeah, uh, you know for fourteen year olds. Okay, well I'm gonna follow that guy. Get some followers. Yeah, two thousand followers. She follows two thousand people and she has two thousand followers and she brags. Yeah, now that you're unblocked, find out who that guy is so I can start following him. Yeah, he, I, I, she made me watch one of his videos. It was the least funny thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> oh, so you're saying that guy could not be president? No, he makes Jimmy Carter look like <laughs> Louis C.K. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get Joe. <laughs> his name is Joe Sugg. Or Sugg. Joe Sugg. Is any relation yeah. to Terrell? No, I think it's just two G's, and he's British. Okay. All right, we'll check it out. He has he has almost three million followers, so you really should uh, be getting down with the Sug life, which he says shows him <laughs> on, life. on his. That's what his. That's what his uh, Twitter profile is. Sug life. <laughs> he didn't choose the Sug life. The Sug life cho- chose him. All that's right. His, uh, well, we will look Abby. look into that. All right. So let's get into talking about the Hamptons. Uh, Jerry in his opening stand-up talks about how people are obsessed with water unless it rains. Uh, other than that they're going to be headed to the beach, really uh, no through line of these jokes to what's going on in the Hamptons episode. Yeah, one of the least connected uh, jokes we've had so far. Yeah. Overall, uh, is this uh, a good piece of Jerry's stand-up? It's not the best. I do think it's more like, ah, that's right, than it is funny. But it is true. <laughs> yeah. Like we do, you know, everything is water, but when it rains, people head for the hills. Yeah. You could probably pair this with also his jokes about the cows and suede. I think the, if you're going to do the best of uh, Jerry's precipitation humor. That's right. That's, uh, that's a chapter in his next book. <laughs> <laughs> when it rains, it pours. Chapter six. All right, so then let's talk about driving out to East Hampton. This is an episode which takes place completely either on the way to East Hampton or on the way back or in East Hampton. No scenes whatsoever in the familiar locales in this episode. Yeah, and you could really feel that. I do feel like the gang here has like a very relaxed vibe. I don't know where they're filming them, but, you know, the the gang here is uh, it, it just feels like they're, you know, it's like a summer break for them. Yeah, it's weird because it's not the final episode of the season. That's going to be uh, next week when we talk about the opposite. But it's the penultimate episode of the season. But it does feel like that they are headed off to like a summer break. Yeah, it is a summer episode. They're wearing like summer clothes. Uh, And also, this is like one of the shortest timelines for any episode because they're going up. It's got to be Friday afternoon and they're leaving early. So what's that Sunday at the latest? Mm -hmm. Sure. Everything's 48 hours. Yeah. So they're driving out there and they're going to go see some friends who have had a second baby. Now, the first baby that they had, it was in one of those two part episodes, right? Which which episode was that that we saw this baby the first time? You're right. It was in The Boyfriend. The Boyfriend. Okay. so back then we had the first baby that Kramer dropped which I guess the baby turned out okay, right? We don't see the ki- you know the the older kid in this episode, but uh, they you know Kramer said he looked like Lyndon Johnson. <laughs> yeah, and you would imagine though, if the baby had been seriously hurt, Kramer would not be welcome out at the Hamptons' house. I mean, if you want to have Jerry, Elaine, and George come, you know Kramer's got to come home. But I think you're right. Yeah, he would be persona non grata if uh, if the baby was dead or something. Right. And also, you feel like that that would have come up with the second baby where, you know, you feel like that these parents would have said, hey, we don't want Kramer touching this baby. Well, we never see him hold the baby, at least. Yeah, we never see him hold the baby. But you would think that there'd be some tension or some friction about that. But no, that is not the case. Uh, so what is the name of this couple? Uh, her name is Carol. Carol. And I think his name is Michael. 
Okay. So they had another baby. Got to go see the second baby. So need to see them again. That's why they're headed out to the Hamptons. But doesn't it seem weird that they have like this Hamptons house and that's where the baby is and they got everything set up there? I mean, did they move to the Hamptons or they just have like a summer home? Yeah. Rich people, very few people just live in the Hamptons. You have a second home that you go to from like uh, Memorial to Labor Day or something like that. I mean, so they must be pretty loaded that they have this summer home in the Hamptons, but I don't remember their home being that nice the first time around. Yeah, but maybe it's like Central Park West. It's a really fancy apartment. So it's it's like a $5 million apartment. Uh, it's just, you know, two bedrooms because it's, you know, it's Manhattan sometimes. But then there's, then there's summer houses like $3 million, but it's much bigger and has a pool. Okay. So anyway, they're on their way out there. Uh, Kramer wants to know from Jerry, do you ever wear silk underwear? Uh, yeah, it's kind of an aside. I feel <laughs> like... Silk, I, I do think silk was more popular then than it is now. I think so, too. I think that silk is waning in popularity, especially in menswear. Yeah, I had a silk shirt when I was a kid. There's no way I would have one now. <laughs> and so this is Jerry and Elaine and Kramer on their way in one car. George is in his own car because that we find out that he's driving out with Jane, his new girlfriend, and they have not had sex yet. Nope. He's very open about this. He's very open about this. Uh, this will be a big plot point. Also, we find out that Rachel is coming back out for that. We saw a couple episodes ago from the Schindler's List saga, and she is taking the train out. So she'll she'll be out there as well. Yeah. And we learned that um, even though she was banned from seeing him, Jerry uh, had a great way to sort of smooth over the situation which, with her uh, very religious dad. Yeah, what is the food that Jerry brought over to Rachel's dad? Okay, it's called kishka, and it's primarily, I think it's its eaten in Hungary maybe nowadays, but it's primarily eaten by uh, by Jews of European descent, of which I would be one, so I, I love kishka. Um, I, I don't know how to describe You've had it? Oh, yeah, yeah, I have it all the time. There's another food called chalant, and na- nowadays you usually just put the kishka in the chalant. You put the kishka in the chalant? <laughs> the chalant is, um, it, it's, in the it's like... It's it's a, it's like a stew. You put it in a crock pot with it's like meat, beans, barley, and potatoes. And it's you know you leave it for like twenty four hours. It's a stew. And then the kishka kishka literally means like guts, but it's basically it, it was intestines back in the day. Now it's not really intestine. It's uh, it's just meat. I don't know what's in there. Probably a lot of it's probably like similar to hot dog meat oh, now. Well, that's not really a selling point. It's not, no, it, it doesn't. It doesn't taste like hot dog. I'm just saying like in terms of the <laughs> fact that like the food is uh, is like synthetic. You know, it's not like uh, they're okay. doing a lot of funky things, but it tastes very good. It doesn't taste like hot dogs. Can I have the kishka without the chon? Yeah, of course, you could have the kishka without the chon. Can I have the chon without the kishka? Yeah, obviously, you could have the chon without the kishka. Okay. Lots of people don't like kishka. Why not? Uh, it's first of all, it's like because it's like health- hot dog meat. <laughs> no, because it's like hot dog meat. It's like the least healthy food ever. Um, <laughs> and and also because it used to be intestines, I think people still think that it's intestines, which it's I, I don't think it still is. Okay, so we see George and Jane driving in the car. They have so much in common. They are bonding over a love of cough syrup of all things. George mixes cough syrup with club soda. Did George invent the scissor? I, I think he did. He was really ahead of his time. Yeah. So he's just getting that you know, cough syrup uh, going with the soda. Boom. Who knew this dark side of George Costanza? I feel like he didn't get the money from it, though. He didn't really patent it. <laughs> and so he's talking about how he has not had sex yet with Jane. Now this seems very odd to me because we see that Jane, once she gets to the Hamptons, once she gets in the sun, I mean, she's like a nudist. She seems... Like that she is 
I would guess. I mean, maybe this is does nudism is that part and parcel with promiscuity? It's such a good question. And I, there's no way I can answer that, though. I have no I idea. I mean, probably not. I guess there are some people who are like, hey, I love being naked, but that doesn't mean that I'm promiscuous. However, it, it just like, this is just one of those things where we get no good reason about this. Almost like, uh, you know, Poppy's daughter who didn't want to eat the pie. We don't really understand why she wants to be naked around everybody, but she doesn't want to have sex with George. But she's really into George, seemingly. We need a nudist correspondent to let us know, or <laughs> yeah. or, a prom- or a promiscuous correspondent. Yeah, we won't give out your email, but I think <laughs> I, I also think the um, it's possible that the reason they haven't done it yet is because they've only gone on a few dates and they're sort of moving the relationship along by going to the Hamptons. But what if it's only been a couple of dates? They haven't even like been back to each other's apartments yet. Is that possible? Well, also, George lives with his parents, so that would probably be they should have like hit that note a little bit harder of that boy she seems like she's willing but george lives with his parents and he's unable to you know get that kind of privacy but hopefully this weekend out in the hamptons that's where the magic is going to happen yeah they yeah they could have they could have tied that up better you're right so george talks about here that he wants to stop and get some hamptons tomatoes for his mom he says that you could eat a hamptons tomato like an apple are you have you heard this about Hamptons tomatoes? Have you ever heard this about any tomatoes? No. Hey, tomatoes are gross to eat just plain. That's disgusting. Yeah. But we see that James like, no, don't stop for the Hamptons. I really need to get in the sun, which almost like implies like from the line read, like, hey, like we will get to business. We need to get to the Hamptons soon. Yeah, George should George should be rushing to this, uh, you know, to this house. He shouldn't be stopping at veggie stands. Right. I mean, was there some sort of coded language in what she said? Of I really need to get some sun. I don't know if I knew what women were thinking. I, you know, I, I don't know where I'd be, but I wouldn't be here. <laughs> okay, so we get there to the Hamptons Beach House, and they're out on the patio. Kramer asks Jerry, do you want to rub some lotion on my back? And I get one of my uh, favorite types of lines uh, from Jerry. A a good, who are you? He gives Kramer the, uh, who are you, Mrs. Robinson? (laughs) Very fun. Yeah. Really brings a smile to my face every time he does one of those. Yeah, I don't know if people will understand that nowadays, but it is a good line. (laughs) I mean, compared to some of the other who were used that Jerry has done, who are you, Mrs. Robinson, is a, a pretty timely reference. Yeah, he avoided the three stooges for a minute. So that's good. And th- and when and when Kramer's like, uh, well, you know, we'll do each other's backs. He says, that's not sweetening the deal. <laughs> All right. So here's George and Jane. George found a dollar and 50 cents in the pool. It's like probably one of the top five moments of his life. It's a lot of change to find in the pool. Yeah, what is that, like six quarters? Is there like eight dimes, you know, a lot of nickels, some pennies? I don't I'd like to know the denominations there. Yeah, I don't know who went in the pool. With, it's not like a public pool or anything. It's like somebody's pool at their house have a lot of change in the bottom. But that being said, are people like making wishes in that pool? Must be. It must be a magic pool or something. Like the Goonies? Yeah. So George is going to go off and go buy those tomatoes. For a guy who really uh, does not seem to love his parents, he's really interested in getting these tomatoes for his mom. I think he just wants to keep them off his back, and he can do that by, uh, you know, by just buying them the thing they asked for. Okay. So here comes Elaine. She's wearing this hat in the sun, and they make a big deal about it here, but it doesn't really become a plot point at all that Elaine wears a big hat to avoid the sun. No, but maybe they're sort of creating a contrast between Elaine, who's like puritanical, basically, 
and Jane, who's not. But Elaine is hardly puritanical. I mean, we see from the, you know, the sponge word of the episode and the contest. I mean, Elaine is no prude. Yeah, yeah but she doesn't dress uh, the way Jane dresses necessarily. Yeah, she's not a nudist. Elaine does seem to be turned off by nudity in other women every time it comes up. Right. And she's offended by Sue Ellen Mishki wearing just the bra outside. So, yeah, you know, you know, okay. she's uh, yeah, she yeah. I mean, Jane here is taking it to a whole nother level. Yeah. Elaine has no love for Sidra in the spa. That's true. Yeah. So whatever it is that Elaine seems to be, uh, yeah, she's very mortified by this uh, female nudity. Uh, is she mortified by it? She's not. Maybe just, she's intimidated. Jane is like a very attractive woman. This is like intimidating. Oh, you think Elaine is self-conscious? Then it's it's very possible. Very possible. Okay. So George goes off to buy the tomatoes. Kramer says he's going to go see if there's any girls on the beach, and we see that Jane is now going topless, or at least we hear in dialogue. Elaine is going topless. Uh, we get some very funny reactions uh, from the people that are remaining. Uh, Kramer gives us, I believe for the first time, his Yo-Yo Ma. Yeah, that's a classic. Jerry gives us Boutros, Boutros Gali. You know who that was? Do I know who it was? Yeah. I believe uh, it was like a UN chairperson, right? Oh, look at look at you. Yeah. Look at you, Mr. Worldly. <laughs> Boutros, Boutros Gali. <laughs> So there you go. And everybody is uh, very interested in what's going on. And they're trying to figure out what is she doing? Why is she naked? She's not having sex with George, but here she is topless on the beach. I really like Kramer's uh, reasoning. It's really brilliant here. Okay. What is Kramer's reasoning? He says she's trying to make a buzz. Trying to make a buzz. Trying to get the word out. So this is like viral marketing for George. Yeah, there's like a trailer. So what's the end game, though? I mean, I don't know. I I feel like she. it's not like she needs to get George excited. I feel like he's there. Yeah. So I don't know if she wants to get him more excited. Is she trying to get like Kramer involved and have like some sort of like uh, olive oil Popeye Bluto scenario where oh, one boy. of the friends is trying to vie for her affection? Does it bother you that like our children will have no idea who Popeye is? <laughs> I mean, it never really bothered me, but you, know, you never know. They're, you know, the way that Hollywood reboots things every 10 seconds, you know, that uh, a year from now, Popeye could be the hottest franchise. We should get on that. Should we, we should start like a Popeye podcast or something. We should get on that, <laughs> get on that wave early. Well, we're on the Seinfeld wave early for when they reboot Seinfeld. That's true. Yeah, we're re ready to go. Reboot the podcast at that point. No, oh, man, it'll be right before we finish and we're not going to be able to finish. Just watch. <laughs> You have to do the new episodes. No time for the old ones. <laughs> but anyway, so then she comes back and she's like, hey, I'm thirsty. Anybody want a drink? Now, if this was uh, modern times, we say, is this a double entendre? Like, hey, I'm thirsty. Yeah, I don't think that that word meant that. I like she's not coming in saying like, uh, hey, this house is on fleek or anything. You know, this is, uh, you know, I, thirsty didn't come into, uh, you know, like the popular lexicon probably till a couple years ago, right? Yeah. She would have come through and been like, I'm thirsty. And Jerry and Kramer would have been like, obviously, she seems very thirsty. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> All right. So she goes back into the house. And again, they can't, they're really, nobody can believe what happened. I mean, it's a shocking moment. It's a very shocking moment. If you're at a weekend with your friends and this happens, this is like, you'll remember this 30 years from now. Well, that's what Peter Melman says in the Inside Looks about this actually happened, that he had a friend who had a fiance and then she got topless and he was like, boy, he had to put in all this work to see what was going on there. And I just showed up. Yeah, it really it really would be like just, uh, you know, truly you'd be like, what did I do? Well, you know, what, what 
what positive thing did I do in a previous life for this to happen to me? Yeah. I mean, it's sort of a weird thing where it's like there's a there's an intimacy of like, okay, this is just for me. And now here's every everybody's getting in. Look at you. You sound so prudish when you say that also. <laughs> uh, well, I feel I feel like if this was if this was me, if I was George, I'd be very upset about this. Listen, women could do whatever they want with their bodies. It's twenty fifteen. Yeah. It's twenty fifteen, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> all right here comes carol and she is showing off the baby comes to the baby he's gorgeous the baby is gorgeous yeah baby adam he's uh he is really a breathtaking child now they are horrified at what this baby looks like i mean how ugly could the baby be that to the point where they're almost like looking at him like it's a gross baby like like this is some like some hideous features of the baby yeah i've always wondered like what could have been so ugly about the baby and, <laughs> i mean is it missing a nose or something is there like a third you know nostril or a third ear like there has to be something really wrong like nothing could just be that ugly from their face does it have like a beard already i don't i don't, I don't know what's going on there i don't even have any guesses but it seems like there's no medical issue because I feel like if there was a baby that had some sort, you know, God forbid, some sort of like abnormality, I think you would mention it. You would you would talk about it. you wouldn't just be like ignoring it and talking about like what a gorgeous baby this is. Isn't this baby gorgeous when there's something wrong with the baby like from a medical perspective yeah but what if it what like why is the doctor always there i know he's their friend but like maybe they need he needs constant medical care because there is something wrong with it and they just don't tell us that's very possible but i feel like it seems weird that they would be out in the hamptons and everybody has to come see the baby like the baby if you had something wrong with the baby i feel like you wouldn't leave the city yeah it's a good very good wow look at you that's a very good point. Want to be closer to where the good hospitals are. I mean, I guess you do have the live-in pediatrician seemingly at this weekend. <laughs> yeah, that's the Hamptons has some perks, but that's a very good point. You, you'd want to be near the Manhattan hospitals, not, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, kind of. I don't sense there's anything wrong with this baby. Yeah, so you're probably right. Point yeah. to you. We have a little bit of a montage with Kramer doing sort of wacky things. I did not remember this moment from the episode. How did the Kramer beach montage hold up for you? I, I kind of like it. I mean, they're playing it off as being goofy. But first of all, I believe it. Kramer, for whatever reason, he's still got the Kavorka. You Did you not like it? By the way, you're asking. I'm not sure if you like it. <laughs> you know, I didn't really remember the Kramer lobster subplot of this episode. I certainly remembered everything that was going on with George and with Jane and with Rachel. That was very much burned in my brain. But the Kramer lobster subplot was forgotten by me. Yeah, that certainly ties everything together at the end. Um, I, I like when he's, you know, uh, he's like flirting with the girls. They have music. It's so out of the norm for Seinfeld. It's Beach Boys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is that? I didn't even know that's a Beach Boys song. Yeah, I believe so. No, I'm, I'm sure you're right. But uh, but uh, yeah, so I, I like that. There's nothing about this episode I don't like, really. And we'll argue about the end. But until that second, it's 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 all good here. All right. So Kramer like pulls up on a rope. We're going to find out that he finds a lobster trap and brings in a bunch of lobsters. So we go back to the house. Elaine and Jerry are talking about how ugly the baby was. Uh, Elaine says the baby is like a, a Pekingese. That's the type of dog, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, Jerry says that uh, it may have been too much chlorine in that gene pool. That's a good joke. 
Yeah. All right. So they're talking about how you have to lie in this situation. It's a must lie situation. Speaking of must lie situations, don't tell George we saw Jane topless. It's a good strategy. He can't know about this. In life, the we like three of us know something. Don't tell the fourth person has never worked at once. Right. In life or in Seinfeld? In, in real life and in, and in sitcom world. I feel like it works for longer in real life than in Seinfeld. Yeah, well, we only have 22 minutes here. But I feel like if it's like, you know, I know this and you know this. Don't let, you know, person Z know this. Then someone else is going to tell them. Someone's going to snitch. Okay. Eventually. So Kramer, we end up cutting to him and he has like a whole box of lobsters on the ocean. Again, I don't know how prolific the lobster trade is in the Hamptons. And if they just have like lobster traps everywhere that you could just go find and how often people steal from the lobster traps. I really have no sense of this industry. And Akiva, I get the sense you may not know a lot about it either. I don't know anything about lobsters. <laughs> okay. So I guess I will be the lobster authority. We need a lobsterman correspondent. I mean, they probably stink of Brian, but I guess it's just a radio <laughs> show. We won't have to smell them. <laughs> All right. So Elaine is now in a conversation with Ben the pediatrician who, as we mentioned earlier, is just there the whole weekend working, apparently. I mean, he's in a suit. like Everybody else is in like shorts and it's like, you know, vacationing. Ben seems to be there on official business the entire weekend. Yeah, but unless he's unless they're like, you know, insanely wealthy and he's their personal doctor, which I guess is possible. I think he's their friend who's also the baby's pediatrician. Well, why does he wear a suit the whole weekend? Nobody else is wearing a suit. I don't know. Some people are serious. They're not like us who walk, walk around in pajamas all day. People wear suits sometimes. To the Hamptons? To a beach house? On the weekend? If my dad was in a beach house in the Hamptons, he'd be wearing a suit. <laughs> wow. Is he just a baller? No, he's, well, he's a rabbi. I feel like the rabbis always wear suits. But but uh, not certain people just wear suits always. I don't know. It's, it's, it's their style. Okay. So Elaine is really hitting on the guy. Good looking guy, Ben, the pediatrician. Sometimes Elaine dates these guys and they're sort of weird looking, but this is a good looking guy. He's a pediatrician. He's wearing his suit and he's checking out the baby. Elaine is like really laying it on thick. She's somehow, I would love to have a baby. Yeah. She's really going a little over the top with that. Yeah. And so that he says that a beautiful woman like you should you're quite breathtaking he says to elaine and elaine is really you know you could just uh knock her over with a feather she's swooning yeah she's really blown away by this but that is like is that a good compliment for nowadays like if you told a woman at a bar she's breathtaking that works right i think so i feel like it's a bit formal um yeah, I guess uh, it I'll is. tell my wife later that she's breathtaking and see how okay. that goes. <laughs> I feel you might be beyond hope at this point. I don't know if that's a yeah. good case study. I feel like it's going to lead to a whole second line of questions. What do you what do, do you mean, Rob? Breathtaking? What do you do? What do you mean? Why? Why did you say that? Why do I? I don't understand. Why are you saying that to me? Did you break something? <laughs> yeah, I just think that you're breathtaking. Like you took my breath away. Are you cheating with Goofy Gal again? Yeah, it's not going to go well. It's not going to go well. But anyway, then it turns out that Ben is staying overnight and Elaine is like score. Yeah. But do you remember Ben from 24, by the way? No. Who was he on 24? Uh, I don't know. I feel like he's in season one of 24. Okay. No, I don't really recall that actor being there on 24. Okay. I mean, he looks older now, but um, yeah, stay in the night, which is, uh, you know, if, if he is, if he is just their doctor and he's not really their friend, he's got to be making a sweet amount of money for this weekend. Yeah, he's not even like 
a somebody who's like you know some sort of like a nurse practitioner staying with them this is like an actual pediatrician yeah they're ballers <laughs> they really are they've come a long way since that you know lobsterman family that's i mean yeah they're going from fr- commercial <laughs> lobster family they have uh you know they have uh, people you know b- bathing topless in their pool They've got guys who inventing syrup, scissor coming over. I mean, they're really. This is like P. Diddy's house in the Hamptons. That's right. I bet it is. Sorry, I apologize. Diddy is like Diddy's house in the Hamptons. Isn't he back to P. Diddy? He's back. To, he put the P back. You don't put the P back. Oh, uh, he put the P back. He put the P back in P. You know, Diddy? He, he's he releasing from- his <laughs> his last album ever. Did you know that? Like his next album is his final album, which is such oh, a scam. Such a yeah. scam, right? It's just to get people to buy the next album. Yeah, it's like the same thing as the Wu Tang Clan, like selling their album to one person because nobody buys albums anymore. It's like their <laughs> last album was bought by forty people, just nobody cared. <laughs> well, that's the whole thing about the guy. What's his name? Martin? What, what's that guy's name? Uh, Scarelli. Sh- Sh- yeah, that guy is a real piece of work. I feel like uh, one day we're just gonna like he's gonna get his own like uh, like HBO series of the Jinx, and then we're just gonna all be you know fascinated by him. I wonder if like all that stuff is fake. Like he wasn't really a CEO of all these companies because he was like every day there was like, oh, he had to resign as CEO of this like hundred million dollar company. How do you even how can you be the CEO of four different like huge companies? There's something yeah. there's something that the media is not catching. There's something off about that story. And he seems like such a tool. Like who would even like uh, follow anything that he's saying? And also like he didn't exist until six, like you no one had ever heard of this guy until he raised the price on the cancer medicine like six months ago. Right. Is this a, like a big Nathan for you? I was thing? about is to say that. I was about to say that. This is like Nathan for you or like a next level, like an evil Nathan for you. Like, <laughs> there's something that we're missing here with that guy. Nobody's like that in real life. Wow. The evil Nathan for you. Wow. That's amazing. I, I, we should find out where this guy was on like May 30th, uh, 2005. Yeah. Let's see. He, let's do he must, some research into that. Stephen Avery's lawyers should check that out. You know. Let's do a different podcast about that. Just all about this guy. And then just be like the new serial, the better version of serial. Oh, Martin Shkreli, if she had started a few weeks later, you do Shkreli interview his parents, find out why he came up that way. Who's not listening to that? That's way bigger than Bo Bergdahl. I mean, he does like a four hour Google Hangout every single day about nothing. Like we could just get him on it all the time. Do you think he would come on the Seinfeld podcast? I mean, probably. Why, would you have him? I know he's a bad guy, but I feel like that's ratings, you know? Yeah, that's the kind of thing you don't really want. You lay down with a dog and wake up with fleas. That's the kind of thing. That's like if we were sort of like throwing the book at him where we were making a podcast about him and trying to like go and uncover dirt on him, I think then we would be lauded as heroes. Whereas if we like had him on as a guest, we'd have to like sort of like be nice to him. If Shkreli... Like if someone reaches out to him, not that they should, and says, "Hey, do you want to come? Oh, you big Seinfeld fan, do you want to come on Robin Akiva's podcast?" And you said no, I would be a little annoyed. You would be annoyed. I, I just don't think we want that kind of heat. Well, we got to get Shkreli. We don't want that kind of heat because then, you know, then like now, you know, like there's going to be investigations going on to what we're doing and stuff like that. It's you, you don't want friends like that. I guess you're right, but it's just like we've been doing this for almost ninety episodes. You don't think it's time for a heel turn? No, I don't think it's time for a heel turn on a Seinfeld podcast. <laughs> All right. When you put it like that, that's fine. We're fine. We're fine. <laughs> Our lives are fine. I think I, I do think Shkreli would be I'm going to I'm going to check and see if he's ever tweeted about Seinfeld while you continue talking. OK. And then I do think we should look into maybe a podcast all about this guy. What was he doing before people knew who he was? Should we, I, I'll like go through all his old tweets, see what he was like doing every night. And stuff. How do you, he does a four hour hangout every night? That's crazy. 
I think he's just all day long. He's like playing chess and like mocking people about it. Like, hey, you want me to listen to the Wu-Tang CD today? Ha ha ha. I'll never open it. I don't like I don't How did he run all these companies? It doesn't make any sense. That, nothing makes sense. That's why we're going to investigate this. This is going to be like a, a hit show. Yeah. The only the only I, I searched Seinfeld and at Martin Shkreli and you have the Seinfeld 2000. You're familiar with the Seinfeld 2000? Yeah. So he tweeted at Martin Shkreli the other day. I'm selling a brand new episode of Seinfeld for $10 million. Yeah. Okay. That's funny. <laughs> How many followers does he have? And then uh, someone else tweeted him. He's basically Newman. Uh, and then there's some other Seinfeld conversation with 2012, but uh, he didn't say anything. He only has 40,000 followers. So he's got less yeah. followers than you. But okay. he is verified and you're not verified. So Verified for what? <laughs> Being a total a-hole? Well, maybe he was verified before everyone knew that he was an a-hole. Like, well, they should unverify him. <laughs> can you get unverified? Oh, I think you can get unverified. Can you imagine if after your years-long quest of being verified... But if, by the way, let, let, if someone said to you, like, let's say I give you an envelope, right? Don't, and I'm not gonna, don't get too excited. I give you an envelope, and inside there's nothing but a piece of paper, and it says, check your Twitter account, and you got verified. Nobody else could beat that for a Christmas present for you, right? If someone I mean, got you ver- verified on Twitter, it would certainly be exciting. I, listen, no one's beaten that. Would you rather have that or $182, like Jerry gives a lane? I think I'd rather be verified than have 100. I mean, it really doesn't keep me up at night, the fact that I'm not verified on Twitter. I think it should keep... No, no, no I'm kidding. We're tabling the Shkreli. We're, we will have a Shkreli podcast, but I think... Is that the between season five and six? Like, we just do a lot of research on Shkreli and we go do a deep dive on Shkreli? That maybe we should do like a backdoor pilot of that. But how do we connect it to Seinfeld? Because we like to connect to Seinfeld. And really, there's not a strong connection here. He's not even a Seinfeld fan, it doesn't seem like. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a good reminder, though, because I wanted to ask people on this podcast that they should let us know in the comments what they want us to do in between season five and season six, because next week is our season five finale. No, boy, we're we're almost done. Yeah. Can you believe it? So if you want to have an idea for us to do something special in between, let us know in the comments on PostureRecaps.com. All right. We got to keep moving with this because I'm going to eventually, uh, you know, get uh, (laughs) divorced because of this podcast. (laughs) Well, Shkreli's got an extra apartment. I'm sure he'd let you move in. Well, it'd be good for the research for the show. But anyway, so it turns out that Jerry's going to go pick up Rachel from the train station and begin her story. But while Carol, the mom of the baby, is talking about how gorgeous he is. uh, Yes, Ben says the baby is breathtaking. So now he called Elaine breathtaking. But also at the same time, now he says this very ugly baby is also breathtaking and Elaine is gobsmacked. Yeah, that's a good word, gobsmacked. Yeah, I heard it recently. <laughs> I, th- I like their first uh, album. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan. I like their last few albums. <laughs> so Elaine is very upset. We never really get any sort of clarification on the breathtaking thing, whether the guy thought Elaine isn't actually that attractive or the baby, he was being nice about the baby. We never really get an answer on this. Yeah, I mean, Elaine, if they're struggling for uh, like a plot line with for anybody, it's clearly Elaine because she's sort of like she's randomly in Jerry's room when she shouldn't be just so like she gets in the episode. She's coming out in the hat just so she gets in this scene, you know, and she has this conversation. So there's nothing not it's all funny, but they're sort of tying together a few loose ends to give Elaine like the D storyline. All right. So Jerry is now back from the train station with Rachel and they're talking, and Kramer comes in with lobsters for everybody. George says, wow, what a weekend. We've got a Hamptons Beach House, 
Kramer's got lobster, and Kramer says, "Yeah." And we saw Jane topless. Uh, you, you know, they didn't. It's not like they told Kramer and he squealed. They never got to tell him not to say anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and says, wait, what do you mean you saw Jane topless? Like, like she was, you know, on her back, and that's that's how you saw her. Like, and uh, we ended up getting to like that. No, she was walking around, and they got a good look at her. Yeah, I do like the the progression there. It's like she was lying down, <laughs> like you barely saw it. No. I mean, this is, I mean, G- George at this point, this has got to be a low point for him. Yeah, he's very upset about this. And Kramer says, hey, don't worry about it. She's got a great body. Yeah, she's creating the buzz for him. It worked. <laughs> and George is very upset with Jerry. He says, wait, you saw her naked too? And Jerry says, well, you could pretend like I'm her doctor. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, George has a couple other funny lines that he says, Jerry. So if uh, there was a crime and you were a police sketch artist, could you draw her? He says they would pick her up in 10 minutes. Yeah, it's a really good line. Yeah. And and then he says, uh, so you could just visualize her anytime you want. <laughs> I guess I can. <laughs> All right. So George says, wait, this isn't fair. He should get to see Rachel naked. The punishment should fit the crime. Yeah, this is like a little sketchy here. George's logic. Police sketchy? Does oh boy. That's uh, that's next season. Does does Rachel get a say in this or or it's just up to George? Yeah, I feel like that that would be a real deal breaker in this relationship cuz Rachel seems like uh she does not have a good sense of humor for these things to begin with. She does not seem to even like George in the least and for Jerry to come in and say, "All right, I'm going to need my friend to see you naked." I don't think that this would really work. Maybe at best, uh, if Jerry and George really needed to uh, hash this out, if it was going to end the friendship, maybe the move would be Jerry would have to take a picture of her and then give George the picture. I don't know how she's going to be a willing All this is all ridiculous. She's not agreeing to any of that. No, she's not. I'm saying they would have to do it without without her knowledge. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't put that past Jerry and George to try, but... I feel like, uh, you know, Jerry has no reason. Like, Jerry didn't do anything wrong. He didn't walk into a room that Jane was in accidentally. So, I don't know. Jerry doesn't really need to repay George the favor here. Yeah. It's like, I'm Neil Armstrong. I turn around for a sip of Tang and you jump out first. Because he wanted to be the first person with Jane. Is that what happened? The guy went for, he went for Tang and uh, who, who got on the first? Buzz Aldrin or the third guy? I'm not sure. That I don't have enough background information about. Me neither. Okay, so we go to see uh, Jerry and Elaine and Rachel in the room, and Elaine talking about how nobody ever called her breathtaking before, and she really wants to get to the bottom of this. Right, I guess the standard is, who's <laughs> there's like a funny like meme going around Twitter, because she says like, if that baby's breathtaking, what's not breathtaking? There's a funny meme where it's like, this guy gives a Yelp review with two stars and talks about how his friend got it, got murdered in the restaurant. Yeah. So it's like, what what would it need to happen for him to give one star? So it's a little bit like that with Elaine here. Like, if if that baby's breathtaking, you know, everything is breathtaking and it's useless. Okay. All right. So they end up with Elaine leaving the room and Rachel is going to get ready to go for a swim. And so Elaine passes George in the hallway. George is going to go in there and Elaine says, oh, don't go in there. Rachel is changing. So... George, because he needs to see her naked because Jerry saw Jane naked, he just goes right in, doesn't knock, and hopes to catch her changing. Yeah, it's a little creepy by George in this episode. Little creepy, a little bit of a creep move. 
And Jerry and Rachel are like, George, what are you doing here? You just come right in. And he says he was looking for gum. Yeah, great, great uh, comeback there, George. Very yes. uh, fast on his feet. Yeah. And Jerry says, so you were swimming in the pool and you wanted gum. <laughs> I mean, Rachel, no, is this a sitcom thing where Rachel has no idea what's going on or she understands what's going on here? Oh, I think she has no idea the motive, but I think she definitely can identify the fact that George is a creep. Oh, yeah. Well, that even without this, she would figure that out. She has good creep dar. Is there creep dar? I think that there's certainly creep dar. Right, there, there's your hashtag. Because no, <laughs> nobody can spell Kishka and Chulant. So there, the creep dar is your hashtag. Okay. Well, that's in the mix. <laughs> that's in the mix. All right. So George says, well, the chewing keeps me warm in the water. So eventually they just, uh, you know, shoo him away. He goes back to his room so he can change out of his clothes. So anyway, Rachel wants to see this breathtaking baby. And Jerry sends her down the hall to go look in one of the rooms. Jerry says, down the hall, third door on the left. Now, did Jerry intentionally tell Rachel to go into the room where George was changing? No, I think this is an honest mistake here. Okay. So instead (laughs) that George wanted to get the jump on her, Instead, the opposite happens. She walks in on George changing and then she screams, oh, my God. And then she thought this was the baby's room. And she sort of like looks down at him and starts laughing. It's like, I'm really sorry. Yeah, really sorry is like a mid like a a, like a serious giggle, which uh, (laughs) never never the reaction you want to get when you're taking your shorts off. No, no. At no point when you're naked do you want a woman laughing. Never. At no point. <laughs> no point. <laughs> and so George like looks down at himself and then looks like up and screams a very famous side of the line, uh, I was in the pool. I was in the pool. And I think that the Jason Alexander delivery of the line with his like hands flapping <laughs> is uh really just one of the great all-time seinfeld line reading yeah uh, jason or george knocks us out of the park here yeah uh really fantastic so now we're really in the thick of one of seinfeld's all-time most famous storylines oh no question yeah okay (laughs) so the shrinkage thing i I don't know what else there is to say about the shrinkage i feel like that this is pretty well known i mean if there was not anybody who didn't know about shrinkage before that would you say that now everybody knows about shrinkage or has shrinkage now sort of gone a little bit out of the like does everybody still know about shrinkage i think everyone knows about it the question is did everyone know about it before this episode aired and obviously the term wasn't in vogue i don't even think people knew about it as much i think this really did a wonder for a shrinkage awareness. Yeah. So George and Jerry are talking about this and George saying that he was supposed to see her, not her supposed to see him. And Jerry's like, well, what's the big deal? Yeah. I mean, George really, (laughs) he's the only person who hasn't seen Jane. Yeah. He didn't get to see Rachel. And now this is really like, uh, he's over three at this point. And, you know, I feel like that George really did have a disservice done to him because Jerry is asking, like, so what's the problem that she saw you naked? Like, who cares? It's not like that Jerry is, he has been a longtime friend of George. And while it was Kramer who says that he's the one who looks, and I believe that Jerry said that he uh, goes out of his way to not look. I think that if there was like a serious issue 
with George and his shrinkage being a all time problem, not just a cold water problem. I feel like that Jerry would know this, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, from the locker so. rooms. They they've been in, they've been in many gyms and locker rooms together. Right. If he knew that this was a major issue of like when he heard that Rachel saw George naked, I feel like that would be a thing. Like he would know that like oh, and right. he saw that situation. <laughs> yeah, <Right>. boy, <laughs> Jane is going to be very disappointed when she finds out about this situation. But he doesn't seem to know what the problem is. Like, what's the big deal? Yeah, and George says he's doing fine. He's, he George says even beforehand that he's doing fine. It's just uh, it's just that he was in the pool. Now I don't know if George is a reliable narrator on this. Oh boy, <laughs> I'd say everything George says is canon here. <laughs> Okay, so he says that there was uh, significant shrinkage, and he says, uh, that was not me then that she saw. She saw me that was not me, and he's worried that she's going to tell Jane. But So now, you said before that George feels like he has a right to see Rachel, but now... Does Rachel like, is it, does she, is, does she have a moral or ethical obligation to repay the favor to George? Hmm. It's a good question. It's a good question. And should she be like coming out of the, the pool, like any sort of cold water uh, issues like that? Or uh, is there any way that you could see her like uh, see her like without her makeup on or anything There's like that? There's nothing I can say that won't get the podcast canceled. So I'm going to. Okay. Gonna- well, <laughs> fair enough. So. George wants Jerry to go tell Rachel about shrinkage. No way Jerry could do this, right? I mean, it's too late. It's just going to sound like a bad excuse. She's not going to see it again, so she's never going to believe it. Yeah, there's no way that Jerry can tell Rachel about any of this without it coming off of there being some sort of the collateral damage hitting Jerry in his department. Oh, no, 100%. (laughs) So they bring in Elaine. Again, one of the additional famous scenes from this episode to see if Elaine knows about shrinkage. Does Elaine know about shrinkage? Yeah, she does not know about shrinkage. (laughs) She does not know. She says, uh, you mean like laundry? She really has no idea. Is it believable that Elaine doesn't know? I think that's very believable. I think especially in 1994 that she might not know the terminology and necessarily how things work in, uh, you know, I feel like there's not a lot of times where you are like uh, cold water is leading to, again, any sort of uh, (laughs) to bring the promiscuous word back into it. It's like I feel like that the cold water is like just like when they tell you like, oh, like a boy. Uh, throw you know take a cold shower it, it is the opposite of something that leads to more amorous activities right and it's not like they have pools all over the place where they live so the only time it would be basically is someone coming out of a cold shower and how often is that happening right cold showers are for mental patients <laughs> <laughs> yeah so elaine has no idea and this is yeah. also another famous line right here <laughs> yeah so Jerry has to say, you know, like when a man goes swimming afterwards and Elaine says it shrinks. And Jerry says, like a frightened turtle. <laughs> Why does it shrink, Akiva? Uh, I, I think one of the uh, one of our medical correspondents explains when we get to the vo- the uh, listener emails. Yeah. George tells her it just does. <laughs> and Elaine, another famous line is, I don't know how you guys walk around with those things. Really, almost every line here is, is you know, incredibly well-known. Yeah. 
really all iconic everything in this subplot all right so then we go to dinner and everybody is eating the lobster really not a lot of questions from carol and michael on where the lobsters came from i mean do you always like ask you know what's the word you get your food from or anything like that i mean if i had a house guest and like i came downstairs and this house guest was cooking you know three turkeys I kind of feel like, oh, what happened? You 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 bought tar- turkey, and he's like, ah, don't worry about it. Or I feel like that there's like oh, there's like twelve pizzas in my living room, and it's just like, well, where did this come from? What you, you got pizza? Like, no, I stole them. I think you're forgetting one thing that maybe you were on to before. They might hate Kramer. Remember, he dropped the baby, <laughs> so he's there. But maybe they don't want to have a conversation with him. He's like the fourth wheel that they don't really want there, but they'll accept him. Because, you know, that you need him to get the Jerry's and the Elaine's there. But maybe they don't want to have it. You know, it's sometimes like you'll be in a group of people, but there's one person who it's like awkward to when you're not really speaking to. I feel like that's Kramer here. So they're not going to ask him any questions. Okay. So now we start to find out that Rachel, she's kosher. She can't have the lobster. Do you feel like does this play? Is this a little too inside baseball? I don't think it's inside baseball because it, it obviously comes... You know, it, it, it pays off, uh, but you're asking the wrong person because it's, you know what I mean? I'm way too involved. It's like asking someone if like a survivor joke uh, works for you. You know what I mean? Like, you know it too well to really be able to know what the average person thinks. Because to me, I just feel like the whole thing and even the payoff at the end where she eats the eggs with the lobster. I feel like so what's what's going to happen here? I mean, is it like, you know, now is she... You know, is God never going to forgive her? Is she not going to forgive herself? I mean, she does not seem to be, uh, to use a term that we talked about in one of the other podcasts, particularly observant, Rachel. It seems like it's more her father is the person who's particularly religious and observant. I mean, she's engaging in, you know, premarital sex and she's like hooking up in Schindler's List only two weeks ago. The (laughs) fact that, you know, oh, she accidentally ate shellfish at the end of the episode. She can never forgive herself for that. It did not really carry a lot of water, hot or cold for me. It's really interesting that you say that. Put it this way. For me, if let's say someone pulled this joke on me. I would be furious and I would never speak to the person again. Right, right. But I feel like that, I mean, I think that you are probably uh, more observant. Sure, right? okay. So if, you're, if, you're, if your gripe is that we don't really believe, you're not believing that she cares so much, but, you know, her, but we've, even in previous episodes, like we've mentioned that her dad is really religious. So maybe okay. she's not as religious as the father. Right. Were you and your wife making out during Schindler's List? No, we've never seen shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're not really helping the case. I don't know. I don't know. So it's just, I hear again, what you're it, saying. It's really, again, I'm too close to the situation. We need other, I'm too close. By that, I mean Mike Sorrentino. Me and him are best friends. I think <laughs> that, I think that, um, I, I, personally for me, this stands out more than anything else because it's like, oh, this is something that I can identify with. Then we're going to get a scene in a couple of minutes where she wants to eat the lobster. She goes downstairs in the middle of the night and she is wanting to try it. Yeah, that's interesting. So for someone like me, let's say I said, oh, I'm never keeping kosher again. I would never try lobster. I don't think. I don't think I have no desire for it. Oh, well, it is pretty delicious, Kiva. 
I, I, like the just to me, like lobsters and crabs and all that stuff. They just I, I, I don't even think of them as food. Yeah, well, melted butter is pretty delicious, I should say. I'm sure, but I, it, I think of me as like a vegetarian in that aspect. Like, there's plenty of people who've never, at least maybe since they were a kid, had a lobster or any sort of fish or meat. So I'd probably yeah. be in their category there. Yeah, it's just like it's a thing where it's like where she wants to try it, then they talk her out of trying it, and then the next day she eats it by accident. Like, I kind of feel like it's the kind of thing where she can get over this. Yeah, I, you're right, right. Because you're saying someone like me is not going to be in the middle scenario, and therefore it lessens the impact of of the of George's joke the next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. It's almost like the kind of thing where it's like, you know, I would never cheat on my wife. I would never cheat on my wife. And then there's a kind of thing where it's like then like one night, like, uh, you know, like somebody is like, you know, there's like this huge urge to cheat and then you didn't do it. And then it's like then you like accidentally uh, like, uh, you know, brushed against somebody and it's like, oh, no, no, now I I did something uh, accidentally. Yeah, it's a fair point. Uh, I, I hear where you're coming from. I never really thought about it from that perspective, but uh, yeah. yeah. I to me the joke still works at the end. So okay. Anyway, so they're having the lobster dinner. Rachel can't have it, and then George is wearing like a very small t-shirt. I don't understand why he has brought this shirt with him to the Hamptons, but he <laughs> is wearing a very tiny t-shirt to illustrate that sometimes in the water things shrink. Maybe it's like maybe he has to lay in for a shirt just to pull off this gag. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Kramer says that he got the lobsters from the ocean when he's finally pressed on this. And Michael is very upset that his father was a commercial lobsterman. He used to come home stinking of brine. And now he is seeing that Kramer has stolen lobsters from people. First of all, Michael's really a self-made man here from, you know, a house in the Hamptons. Yes. You know, his dad. Humble beginnings. Yo, no, no joke. Unless his dad was like originally lobsterman, but now owns like the whole lobster factory. Oh, so maybe he has like a lobster whole enterprise. Yeah, he's he, yeah, this is all lobster money that paid for this house. Yeah. Okay, so Kramer finally sees the baby now and he sort of uh is flabbergasted also. Also gobsmacked at how ugly the baby is. I mean, Kramer's reaction is really uh fantastic here. <laughs> he falls to the floor uh when he sees the baby. All right, so we end up seeing with Ben and Elaine talking about what a night this is. And there's what it has delicious, the fresh caught lobster. That's not tempting you at all. Akiva, the fresh, how delicious the <laughs> fresh caught lobster is between Ben and Elaine. Not even a little bit. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause I think what once like a uh, hundred episodes ago, you said, if I could try one chain restaurant, uh, you know, that wasn't kosher, what would I try? And I said, Chipotle. And now I'm out on that. Cause yeah. I don't want di- to die. So now I have like very few things that I'm even interested in. <laughs> <laughs> so elaine tries to say to the doctor uh wow some ugly baby and he's like what did you say and she says uh no uh, some snuggly baby so elaine just calls out the doctor and says uh why did you use the word breathtaking to describe the baby and then also use it to describe m- me yeah I, this whole scene is really fantastic there, there are li- literally like 10 12 famous lines in this episode but yeah i do i love his like works both ways explanation for this yeah he says to her that, you know, sometimes people just say things to be nice. And Elaine is really confused. And we don't get an answer as to whether he was being nice to Elaine or nice to the baby. But <laughs> that's right. I kind of feel like from the way that this all works out, I think he was being nice to Elaine. 
I, I think you're right because to him, he is a doctor. And so to him, he doesn't care about how ugly a baby is. You know, he's seen them all. Yeah. So, you know, he's not every baby's breathtaking to him. That's what pays the bills. Yeah. Elaine is the one he's being nice to. He's on a overnight stay in the Hamptons. Elaine is giving him super like green light signals, like falling all over him. And he does not attempt to get any closer to Elaine. He is not interested in Elaine. Uh, you know, I agree. Yeah, he's clearly uh, rebuffing all her. Yeah, so I, I think you're right. I think the answer is he's being nice to her. Yeah, I think so. I think that this is kind of an open and shut case. I don't even think there's any sort of room for debate on this. No, you're right. Yeah. And the baby, I think maybe is not even that ugly. <laughs> Kramer's reaction is pretty, you know, you don't react that way just to a baby with a runny nose or something. However, the Seinfeld gang of four, they are known baby dislikers. The baby to them is the symbol to all things that they resent of stability, family, monogamy, that the baby <laughs> is the cornerstone of all those things. So the baby is all babies are ugly to these people. Oh, man, you're getting deep here. I think you're right. It's fair. They they hate children. Uh, you know, they curse in front of kids, knock kids over. They, yeah. they get in the fights in karate with them. So I, I think you're right. Yeah. I think that there are no babies to which the Seinfeld gang of four would say that this is a wonderful baby. They're anti-baby. They are anti-babies. There's no truly breathtaking baby for them. (laughs) All right. So back at the dinner, and I sort of uh, skipped over this, there's a moment where Rachel is whispering in Jane's ear at the table. And George is like, hey, what are you talking about? Why are you laughing? Why? There's no secrets. George and Jerry tells him to like, hey, George, like, you know, play it cool. They're not talking about you. Don't worry. Yeah. So Rachel is now with Jerry and Jerry is sort of talking about what happened. And Rachel is telling Jerry that she told Jane and he doesn't understand why she did that. What a crazy move by Rachel. What? Yeah. Like, it's not like George did something so wrong and it's clearly going to upset your boyfriend. So it, there's nothing. It's just such a rude thing to do. Also, especially yeah. since George says he has an alibi. Well, most of all, that Rachel and Jane, if they were friends, I could totally see this. But there appears to be no prior relationship to Rachel and Jane. Like, how does Rachel know that Jane isn't going to tell Rachel to go F herself? Like, how does she know everything that, okay, that Jane has never seen George naked yet? And basically, like, in, like, five seconds, they're able to say, Hey, I saw your boyfriend naked and he is uh, not well endowed. It's crazy. Yeah. And to the point where this lunatic Jane is is going to leave. She's basically breaking up with George. She doesn't even want to examine the evidence herself in the middle of the night. I mean, it it just seems like, uh, you know, it's almost like I know she was a pretty lady, but he almost dodged the bullet here. Yeah. I mean, what were Jane's expectations going into this with George? I mean, he is uh, not somebody who is incredibly tall. I mean, did she have some bad intel on what she was going to be getting? Right. He has no job. He lives with his parents. I mean, maybe she, maybe it's just all hitting her now. Like, oh, he has no job. He lives with his parents and he's not even doing well in that department. Let me hit the road before, you know, I get more, fur- you know, further invested here. 
Right. And then maybe she also got the information like, yeah, and he's walking in on me naked and he's trying to see me. So maybe the creep factor is also a part of it. Like if it's only on the information of, hey, I saw him naked and his unit is less than breathtaking, then that seems like a lot but then when you start to factor in yeah and he's like walking in on me trying to change because somebody he got mad because everybody saw you like i feel like if she gets the whole story you kind of could understand why she leaves i understand why she leaves but i feel like i don't understand that you know rachel is is uh you know there's no excuse for what she did well she hates george yeah but but it's jerry's best friend you can't just unilaterally do that without without jerry's permission yeah. All right. So then we have this scene that I mentioned earlier where Rachel comes downstairs. Kramer is waiting in the kitchen and uh, he's like smoking a cigar. She's like going to raid the fridge to eat the lobster. It looks so good. Now she's been keeping kosher her whole life. She's going to throw it all away to eat the lobster on this Hamptons weekend. I mean, listen, the people who keep kosher stop like it has to be something. You know, I certainly have a lot of friends who've done that. Does that it's, happen? It, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's not always lobster in the Hamptons like there's, you know, but uh, if you are a person who keeps kosher and then you decide to stop, a lot of times it's, you know, ripping off the bandaid as opposed to something gradual. And what do you do? Like when that happens to people, like, is it the kind of thing where it's just like they totally fall off the wagon and they're just like having a bender on all the things they're not supposed to eat? Or is it like, do they have the thing where it's like, oh, I, I did this thing last night and then now I'm like, oh, like I feel terrible about myself and now just can go right back on to being kosher? I think there's both, but I feel like for the people who it sticks, not like being observant anymore, it's probably more like going to, you know, like uh, the Sizzler on Yom Kippur than... Uh, <laughs> You know, just starting out with yeah. like a stick of gum and working up from that. Well, what do you do then? Because I know like in the church, they would say, OK, well, you have to go to confession and you have to like, uh, you know, sit with a priest and sort of like tell them your sins. What would you do if you were somebody like that where you broke keeping kosher? Like, how do you get back in good standing? Um, you got to wash your mouth out with soap. No, I, I the honest answer is you just, uh, you know, you don't do it again. I guess you could. Oh. Repent. You sort of can internally repent, but you don't like go to a rabbi and talk to him about it necessarily. Yeah. You certainly don't have to. You know, people make mistakes, so you you go on and you know. You, I guess you try and do like not do it again if that's what you want to do. It's you're asking a good question. Yeah, do you have to do extra atoning on Yom Kippur. I mean, if you did something really bad, there. I mean, there's some very specific things in the prayer book. You know. So I, I feel like it'll be covered in there. Okay. But you're also not supposed to like, oh, I could just sin all I want and then atone for it on, you know, on Yom Kippur because, uh, you know, you don't you don't do it with the intention of just uh, like apologizing, I guess. Right. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, I don't know. God doesn't like loopholes. Right. <laughs> it, but yeah, our whole religion is loopholes. So it's, a, it's an interesting thing. <laughs> All right. So then Jane, she is now officially driving back to New York in the middle of the night. And George is very upset. So the next morning, George is making eggs for everybody. Oh, my God. Breakfast was breathtaking. Here comes Rachel. She's talking about how she almost tried the lobster. She didn't, luckily. And uh, she's so happy that Kramer saved her from a lifetime of regret. And now everybody's like talking about how great the eggs are. She's eating the eggs. And lo and behold, there was lobster in these eggs. That was the key ingredient. Now, I kind of feel like if you were going to season eggs with enough lobster, that would be meaningful. I feel like there would be a bit of a fish slash seafood lobster taste 
to the eggs. What if you have no idea what lobster tastes like? She could think, think it's anything. I guess so. I guess so. But I kind of feel like that there would be some sort of a, of a smell that would be familiar from when you were trying to eat the lobster. I mean, how close did she get? Like, I, I don't know what lobster smells like at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's sort of like, you know, a general fishy type of smell of seafood. Yeah, you're not really selling me on it also, by the way. <laughs> All right. So he tries to give her like a bib and uh, says, oh, you're going to need this. And uh, she just like gets up from the table and runs away. I mean, George is like, it's one thing to pull the gag on her, but he's being so overt about like how like this is my revenge to you. You know, he's not hiding it at all. It's funny. Yeah. But you might want to eat it with one of these. Like that's, you know, he's going he's going a little over the top. But uh, does she deserve this? I guess is the question here. I mean to, that I, I'm just having a hard time wrapping my head around why it's such a big deal that it was an accident that she didn't do it on purpose. I feel like that God would be forgiving for this. Listen, it's not it, she had no intent, although you could say like, let's say I say like, that's why I would never eat in that house. Right. I wouldn't trust like these people don't keep kosher. You shouldn't be eating any of their food, I, you know, right. I, but which is sort of what you were saying where like she wasn't that strict to begin with. But imagine a vegetarian who hates meat and is detested by it, not just for taste reasons, but maybe for like moral reasons. Right. And they say, I've never had meat. And you're like, ha ha ha. I put, you know, I put a, you know, there's steak in your eggs. I feel like they would be similarly upset. I think that the better example would be in the Catholic church during Lent. You're not supposed to eat meat on Fridays. You have to, you know, for, you know, the Fridays during Lent, no meat on Friday. And then if somebody was trying to get back at you and they put like a you know chicken broth in the soup that you had, and you didn't think it was a chicken broth soup. And then they said, "Ha ha, you're eating chicken broth. You thought it was uh, some sort of like a fish based soup, and now you ate meat on a Friday during Lent." I think you'd be upset, but it's like again, it's like I didn't know, I didn't do it on purpose. But she spent her whole life avoiding this, and now you know someone else sort of tricked her. Someone she despises tricked her and got yeah. the one up on her yeah i i'm sure that it's uh just doesn't make sense to me i'm sure it makes a lot of sense to a lot of people that are out there but i feel like if it wasn't if she didn't do it on purpose i feel like that she could get past this i think she will but in the moment i understand why she's mad yeah all right um we also uh, <laughs> I mean, we have so much to talk about in this episode. Uh, when Jane ends up leaving, there's a great conversation between George and Jane too, where he has another great uh, line in this episode where he's talking about how, you know, I think that you think a certain something is not all that it could be when in fact it is all that it should be and more and more. Yeah. <laughs> so again, it depends on whether or not you believe George is a reliable narrator in this. I mean, he's willing to show it to her. So, you know, like if he's lying, he would have been exposed. No pun intended pretty quickly. Mm hmm. Sure. Sure. <laughs> so anyway, so uh, Rachel goes away and then the police show up at the door. They're looking for somebody who stole the lobsters. No one has ever snitched faster than Michael snitches on Kramer here. No, that's not true. What about you with your sister? Uh <laughs> Oh, man. Hashtag tattletale Akiva. <laughs> tattletale. <laughs> Listen, she's following me now. Maybe I'll ask her even to like tweet out like a follow Friday for me. Get some of those sweet 2000 Joe Sugg fans following me. <laughs> How fast if your sister took in that lobster trap would you be telling your parents? If she ate the lobster? Oh, if she took the lobster trap in? If, at the, yeah. Um, oh, I would be... No, I, see, now I know. Now I realize like, oh, I shouldn't be telling on my sister... 
because then she'll never tell me anything. You know, she won't. So I, I need to be on the sibling team, even though it's just sisters and whatever, instead of the parents team. Yeah. It's not like my, it's not like I got anything for telling my parents. Like if they were like, Oh, thanks for telling us. Here's like a thousand bucks. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to keep, keep relaying this information. Like there's no positive in like in snitching. So no more snitching. So it ends up that Kramer ends up getting arrested and has to pay a thousand dollar fine. But it's like what Kramer can't pay a thousand dollar fine, even though he's independently wealthy in every other episode of Seinfeld. And so he has to pick up garbage in Suffolk County on the highway. Uh, yeah, no, really garbage. In, I mean, if it's garbage in Nassau County, I could understand. But Suffolk, there's no greater indignity. <laughs> yeah. Nassau for <laughs> life, baby. <laughs> and then finally, uh, Jerry and Elaine are driving back with George and uh, they're going to stop and get some tomatoes before they end up leaving. Uh, Rachel ends up driving back with, uh, I guess, Carol and Michael and the baby. Yep. yep. And so even though she took the train and, out, and the she, unmentioned uh, second baby. Yes. Full car. And so they're all stopped at the tomato stand and George rolls down the window and then he gets hit in the face with a tomato by Rachel. Yeah. People don't love this ending. No, no. I feel like the strength of the episode is all the stuff about the shrinkage. I feel like the lobster stuff, I feel like, is the weaker point of the episode. And then to sort of end it on a beat out of that storyline, I feel like, is uh, not as fun as it could be, but still an all-time classic Seinfeld episode. Uh, Yeah, I don't know where they should end it. it. Kramer working on the highway is sort of a soft joke. You want to just him getting arrested, I guess, is kind of funny. You know, maybe yeah. you just end it with my, with Kramer getting arrested probably is the answer. Yeah, I feel like if you could have sort of instead of Jane leaving, like I feel like if you could have had sort of like going back to the mango where it's like, all right, fine. You want to show me? Let's have, you know, sex to save the friendship. And then Jerry has the performance anxiety. If there could be something with like, all right, Jane is finally agrees to see what George has to show and there being something like you Thomas know throws like ice on him or something or like or yeah the, he gets or the with, ace like the the heat broke and it's like uh you know the ac's blasting and it's like uh you know it's like 30 degrees in the house i feel like there's something you you, you could have done something there <laughs> or yeah like uh somebody spilled a drink on him or something like that uh i feel like that that would have been a uh a better way to end it than to go back with the lobster story and and bring in the tomatoes all right, so we're keeping Jane. We're not letting her leave in the middle of the night for for the purpose of this gag. I agree. Right. And Kramer, you know, on the Suffolk County Highway, I feel like it doesn't really add anything to it. Uh, I agree. I mean, I, I like the lobster storyline way more than you do, but uh, I, it's not where you end the story. All right, Akiva. So in terms of the translation from 2015 to uh, 1994, vice versa, Anything that jumps out to you? I feel like that overall, I feel like this episode did not have much. I feel like it's a timeless tale. Yeah, it really does hold up. Uh, I guess the silk underwear, who's talking about that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess that George could Google shrinkage and then uh, point to some medical journals, as he liked to reference back there, and prove that this was a real phenomenon. Yeah, that would really help uh his case but i i not feel like sure jane, about that jane still leaves also they've seen they've seen the baby on facebook i don't know if you need to see him as much if, if you've seen him on facebook very fair point all right so let's go through and give our letter grades out uh let's start with the top with uh george and his storyline uh you gotta give it an a plus a plus 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 uh one of maybe all-time uh greatest seinfeld uh storylines okay 
Jerry, does he have a story? I mean, like he does in a lot of episodes, he kind of just serves everything else. Like, what is Jerry? He's there with Jane. It almost going to give him an incomplete. It's hard to yeah, grade, I'd say right? incomplete. Like, there's really no story to judge him on. Elaine with the doctor. Uh, again, it doesn't need to carry the episode. So I, I feel like we'd be being harsh on it if we give it anything other than an A. Because breathtaking, uh, you know, the first time and then we see it a few times. Like, it's such a famous line. Like, why are we nitpicking? Let's just give that an A. Yeah, minor part of the story. What about Kramer with the lobster? See, I like this way more than you do. To me, I, I love that George gets the revenge because it's such. this is one of the most relentlessly negative episodes of the whole series, right? George loses on like four different accounts. You know, Jer- like it, it doesn't even work out for Jerry. Rachel doesn't even go home with them, even though mm-hmm. they, are, they are still together in the opposite next week, Jerry and Rachel. I, I, you know, uh, I give Kramer an A minus. I know you're not going to give it that high. Yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like it's probably a a C or a C minus for me. But again, uh, the the strength of this episode is in everything with George. So uh, hard to really uh, be too hard on the episode overall. Akiva, does this episode make it to your top nine? Yes. Okay. Boom. All right. We have we had just to keep score. We have three top nine episodes so far. I believe it's the contest, the marine biologist and now the Hamptons. There we go. All right. So we will find out at the end of the run of the podcast where these top episodes ultimately landed in our big top episode results show. Okay, let's get into our emails. Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. We got a lot of emails uh, to get through. So uh, why don't we start off with Travis who says, hey, guys, excellent episode, but ending on George taking a tomato to the face. Come on. Yeah, we agree with you, Travis. Yeah, we're there. Okay, Dr. Tom weighs in our medical correspondent says, in this classic episode, the question is posed, why does it shrink? The reason is simple enough. Shrinkage is the most efficient way for it to move closer to the body, allowing it to keep its optimal temperature. Really looking forward to seeing where the Hamptons fits on Akiva's rankings. The episode is truly breathtaking. I I love Dr. Tom, you know, quick to the point and gives us the medical advice we need. Yes. And I feel like when Jerry describes a, like a frightened turtle, I feel like that's sort of the same idea, right? A little bit. I think that's the same same thing. Okay. Uh, Raul Castillo writes to us, Hey, Rob, would you be angry if Akiva accidentally saw your wife naked? Would you have been eating the lobsters uh, knowing that they were illegally caught? Uh, thanks, guys. Love the show. Those are two very different questions, and first says, of all. I don't think that's the same question. Yes, I need to be on the podcast for the gum. I'm not sure why Raul needs to be on the podcast for the gum and what his qualifications are, but I'm sure we will find out more at a later date. Uh, Would I be angry if Akiva accidentally saw my wife? I'm not sure I would be angry if it was truly an accident. Well, your first question would be, what was she doing in my room, in my office, right? Right, right. Because how else am I seeing her? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly (laughs) how I I would need to know more about the story. But then if Akiva was like, like uh, kept like, hey, I'm I'm visualizing your wife naked, uh, you know, think of me like her doctor. I think that would probably (laughs) piss me off at that. point. Yeah, I feel I feel like it would be it it would be a deal breaker maybe for you. Yeah. Would you have eaten the lobsters knowing that they were illegally caught? I, I mean, I probably wouldn't have asked too many questions about it. Like, oh, I don't know if I should eat this lobster. Yeah, the fewer questions about the about the hamster. Probably lobster. not. Probably not. Okay. <laughs> that they were hot lobsters. Okay. <laughs> Liz wants to know any ugly baby stories that you could share. You both have young families, right? You've probably seen your share of babies the last few years. Akiva, do you have any ugly baby stories? I feel like most babies are sort of like generally pretty, you know, un 
remarkable? Uh, yeah. I feel like m- many babies are pretty, you know, unremarkable. I would agree. I think really, uh, like, babies who are just out of the womb, like, the first few days are, are universally ugly. And then they mm-hmm. all kind of settle into, like, a bee. Babies aren't really, kids aren't really, like, cute until they could talk and stuff, you know? I, yeah. I'm not so, I'm not super into babies. I know you have a baby, but. Should people start sending us pictures of babies and we'll give them letter grades? Oh, if no, I feel like there's no positives that can come out. <laughs> Send no it in, but we, you can do it. But every single baby's getting a breathtaking. Yeah. Uh, Johnny DeSavera wants to let us know that the working title for this episode was The Ugly Baby. I think The Hamptons works best. Yeah, I think that was fine. Uh, the shrinkage would have been good as well, but that probably tips a joke. So uh, no qualms with The Hamptons. No, no, no. It's, it's the right name. All right. Uh, Real BG Low wants to know from us, isn't it kind of pervy for George to try and deliberately see his best friend's girlfriend naked? We both agree with you there. Yep. Number two, when Rachel throws a tomato at George at the end of the episode, I was impressed at how she managed to hit him in the face through a car door window, seemingly from not very close up. Maybe George should have recommended her to the Yankees for a tryout contract. But then again, she probably wants nothing to do with him after the Hamptons debacle. Yeah, what an arm. Yeah, real, we don't know how far this is, but it's really a direct hit. And the smashing the tomato in the face, yeah. kudos to Rachel. Yeah, really, uh, a Ioannis uh, Cespedes-like uh, gun from Rachel. Uh, yeah, uh, Juan Ligaris in uh, 2014, not 2015. <laughs> yes, Chuck Knobloch, she is not. No, unless okay. she was aiming for Jerry. Right, pinpoint accuracy. All right. And then uh, let's take a couple more questions. Uh, Amir, he writes to us and says, what an unbelievably great episode. Essentially perfect from beginning to the end. A few comments. We've previously discussed Seinfeld episodes that have been incorrectly titled. We absolutely need to add the Hamptons to the list. The episode should have been called The Shrinkage. I think you tipped the joke there. Yeah, you tipped the joke. And maybe that's like too inappropriate for NBC. You know, you don't want you don't want that blaring across the channel channel that was channel 14. Right. I'm sure it's channel 14 for you also. The right. shrinkage, like that's coming on. On I like to call it the channel channel back in the day. Yeah. Also, number two, Dr. Pfeiffer tells Elaine that the beautiful house was built by Mark Farpman. I never noticed this before. We probably should assume that he's related to Carl Farman, the incredibly talented furniture designer that Elaine's boyfriend is obsessed with in seasons eight, The Checks. Yeah, I feel like uh, you've got you've got it nailed. It's a long <laughs> game for them. They even they planned this beforehand. Yeah, we'll talk about that when next time we talk to Jerry or Larry. And number three, in reference to Jane's breast, George mentions that if I reach out and touch her breast right now, she'd scream and throw me out of the car. But in this time frame tomorrow, I could touch it all I want. He knows that's not how it works, right? When you have sex with a woman once, you can't still grab her breast unwarranted whenever you want. Thank- well, that is a good point. Do you know what I think about this? What's that? This is just a mere bragging. Yes. He's like, you know how I know this guy's right. <laughs> he knows everything yeah this is just the, he just wrote in this whole thing just to brag about that we're on to you amir yeah right i mean i kind of feel like that to use amir's analogy versus george's analogy where george says once you get in the club you get in for life i kind of feel like once you go to disneyland you don't get to just keep going to disneyland as much as you want that's right you get you get in once you've got admission for one day yeah there's no there's no lifetime passes to disneyland all right. And then finally, here's Chester. He starts off, hate to be a killjoy. Oh, boy. 
<laughs> this is going to be good. But nobody has ever driven that fast to the Hamptons on a summer weekend. The traffic is always a disaster. Oh, that's true. You see those people on the Long Island Railroad and they're going on that like four hour trip because the, the traffic is standstill. Oh, that's awful. The Hamptons traffic in the su- Friday summer. All right. Last summer, I spent a weekend with my siblings in the Hamptons. Two of my brothers didn't have bathing suits and decided to hop in the ocean naked. Oh, boy. Chester, where's this story going? The Chester boys. Yeah, this could be a good one. He says, I didn't understand why they didn't at least wear their underwear, but I guess that they were inspired by Jane's performance in the episode. Also, Jane is George's best looking girlfriend in the show's history. Just wanted to tip my cap to Melora Walters. I feel like 11-year-old Akiva agreed. What kind of pediatrician makes house calls in the Hamptons? Uh, Yeah, like if you're rich enough, doctors will go to wherever you need them to go to. (laughs) Chester also says the greatest thing Larry David ever did was help exonerate the guy who was wrongfully accused of murder. Really, that could be its own uh, Netflix or serial. Uh, that the guy who was like at the Dodgers game in Curb Your Enthusiasm, yeah, right? Yeah, during the prostitute episode, no less. Yeah. And Chester says the second greatest thing that Larry did was teaching womankind about shrinkage, right? Well, does that come up a lot? I mean, I feel like at least some women know about it from Seinfeld. I guess so. Also, Chester says, why is Elaine wearing a complete business suit to breakfast in the Hamptons? I don't know. Yeah, maybe she's like Marty McFly's brother in uh, The End of Back to the Future. (laughs) I I always wear a suit to the office. That's right. All right. And then uh, Chester says, for a fantastic episode, the final scene, Tomato to the Face, is pretty weak. Yeah, we're we're all in agreement there. Yeah, we're we're all on the same page. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't think I can knock this as a top 10 episode. I mean, I feel like, you know, two thirds of the way through, I'm like, oh my God, I think this is the best Seinfeld episode of all time. It does not stick the landing for me, but overall, a a fantastic show. Yeah, if you want the most classic lines, I think it's probably here. You know, if you want sort of the most times you're laughing, it could be here. If you need a perfect episode, this isn't a perfect episode, but I'm not sure you're going to find one throughout nine seasons. Yeah. All right, Akiva. Next week, we're talking about the opposite. We are putting season five to bed. I'm very excited about that. Cool stuff, right? Yeah, we're going to be uh, live with Regis and Kathy. It's it's, uh, the opposite. You can't go wrong with the opposite. Can't go wrong with the opposite. All right. uh, Officially, what is the hashtag going to be? You tell me. Okay. uh, We've got uh, hashtag. No, uh, no, no. no, no, Sorry. It's hashtag. You tell me. That's it. We're good. (laughs) That's it. Not hashtag tattletale Akiva. Yeah. uh, Tattletale Akiva is fine. Uh, hashtag police sketchy. I don't even remember us mentioning that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hashtag creepdar. Hashtag sug life. Sug life. No, because sug life will have millions of that. That's like his hashtag. Probably that's going to have Too millions many. of. Too we're going to have like little fourteen-year-old okay. girls coming at us. Okay. So which one do you want to do? Hashtag tattletale akiva. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next week uh, we're talking about the opposite. Thanks so much to Mike Moore for the great episode recaps every week, and thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre for his dedication every week to bringing you the edited version of the Seinfeld recap podcast. Keep you ready to close out season five next week. Yeah, I can't believe it's almost over. All right. Happy Festivus to the rest of us. Hopefully there are not too many airings of the grievances in the comments section on postshowrecaps.com. And of course, you can subscribe to the Seinfeld podcast at postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. Anything else, Akiva? Uh, no, I guess you could check out if you if you if you you know, don't listen to Rob as a podcast and you listen to this for some strange reason. You can hear Rob and I do uh, a little bit on the uh, on the Happy Holiday Show if you're so inclined. All right. Very exciting stuff. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.